our carol tonight was a, a modern version of O Come All These Faithful. And when I was, uh, when I was doing a wee bit of research and a wee bit of studying the kind of the story behind the carol and the writers behind it, um, a, couple of, a couple of results came up in terms of who wrote it. So the short answer is nobody really knows who wrote Come All These Faithful. Some people think it was somebody, a composer called John Francis Wade in the 18th century. Some think it was somebody called John Redding in the 17th century. Some people think it was somebody called King John IV of Portugal. I have no idea. Um, some people, I love, this is my favorite one. So there was all those Johns, nobody's really sure who, but my favorite one, a potential composer, it was just called The Anonymous Monks. And I don't know if like, they are genuinely anonymous monks or some kind of medieval boy band, but they sound cool. We don't know who wrote O Comedy Faithful. We're not entirely sure of the origins. It's quite, a, quite an old carol. But there is a suggestion that I read because of the way that the book of Luke describes the scene the way he kind of pens the moment of the nativity, the love that radiates from Mary, which is kind of palpable from the text, it suggests that the inspiration for come all the faithful, oh come let us adore him, some would suggest that the inspiration from that comes from the love that Mary had for baby Jesus. Mary is the one whom God chose to give this extraordinary gift of love to the world that he not only created, but that he loved. She would be able to love him not because she would be his mummy, but because he first loved her before the beginning of time, which is a bit of a paradox, but it's a deep, deep truth. And tonight we're going to look at Mary because, believe it or not, Mary carries a message. And kind of in church... I think we fall sometimes into two extremes. Um, there's, there's one side of the extreme where Mary is kind of magnified to the point where she takes second place to Jesus. And then there's the other side where we kind of ignore Mary and the only time we really see her is at the nativity with a blue dressing gown and a tea on her head. But Mary is a significant person in scripture. Actually, Luke writes in earlier on in chapter one, or sorry, later on in chapter one, Luke describes her relative Elizabeth who addresses Mary as the mother of my Lord. The mother of my Lord. And that just wasn't a throwaway thing from Elizabeth. Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit and she called Mary the mother of my Lord. And so tonight, a very simple message is simply this. Mary has a message. Mary has a message that she carries through this chapter. We're going to start a reading in Luke chapter 1 verse, from verse 26. And it's from, this one's from the NIV. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, uh, sorry, to a virgin pledged to be married to a, name, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I'm just going to ask us to park there for a second. And sometimes it can be easy for us in our modern context here in Carrickfergus, just before we're about to move into 2020, to kind of miss what's going on here. If we read carefully, if you could go back to verse 26 there, Emma, that would be great. It says that God sent, proactively sent angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Now, if you're reading this at the time, and if you are a Jewish person at the time, that is a scandalous thing to read. 
That is an unbelievable thing to try and behold. That God would come to Nazareth. That God would intervene. Of all the regions in Israel, he would intervene in Galilee. It was a huge deal that the Son of God would be conceived in Nazareth. That the mother of, of, the, mother of the Lord Jesus would come from Nazareth. You see, in those days, and this isn't a very nice term, but it is, it is the reality. In those days, people, if you were from Nazareth, well, if you're from Galilee, but especially if you were from Nazareth, the attitude of people would have been, you're scum. And that, I know that's not a very nice term, but, but that's the reality of how people were seen from Nazareth. It was not a good place. It was not the kind of place where you wanted to buy a home. It was known for people being quite rude. They had a, a bit of an unpolite uh, dialect to the Hebrew language. It just, it was not a very nice place to be. In fact, people from Nazareth were associated with having poor character and morals because they often mixed with people who weren't Jewish. They were known for being rude, for being coarse, and just basically not being, not being a very nice area, not being very nice people. Now, if you were to think to yourself, and if we thought logically about it, we might think, well, if Jesus was to be conceived somewhere, if the story of Christmas was to begin anywhere, surely it would begin somewhere a bit more regal, a bit more upmarket, but not Nazareth. If we were to think of somewhere where the Son of God would be associated with, the Savior of the world would be associated with, not just for his lifetime, not just for the life of his ministry either, but even to this day, he is still associated with being from Nazareth, a.k.a. we're, we're sitting on the church of the Nazarene. Even to this day, Jesus is associated with coming from Nazareth, but surely you would connect him to somewhere like, you know, Jesus of Bethlehem would have been better, or Jesus of Bethel, it's a significant place. Or Jesus of Jerusalem, Jesus of Jericho, something with alliteration which would have kind of worked for his brand, right? But Jesus of Nazareth, it's like, come on. And I know it's hard for us to wrap our heads around, but see at the time, it was like, are you serious, Nazareth? There was a saying at the time, and in fact, you can read about it later in scripture. The saying at the time was, can anything good come from Nazareth? Or what good thing can come from Nazareth? Nazareth was not the place where the Son of God was expected to come for. From. But last Sunday night, Pastor Philip touched on the aspect of uh, meeting, meeting people in unexpected places. And ironically, the, name's, well, the, the woman's name was Mary. Meeting people in unexpected places. But Jesus coming from Nazareth or being conceived in Nazareth and the Christmas story beginning in Nazareth, one thing we can learn from that is this. God loves to show up in unexpected places. God loves to show up in unexpected places. Nobody anticipated Jesus to come from Nazareth. He showed up in an unexpected place. It's not the first time God showed up in an unexpected place. God is a specialist at showing up where he's not expected to be. In Acts 3, there's this wonderful woman. There's a man who is lame, he can't move, he can't walk. And every day he would go to a gate called Beautiful at the temple. And every day he would sit there and he would beg for money just to try and get by. And one day, just a normal day, nothing exciting was anticipated to happen. Peter and John, disciples, followers of Jesus, are walking by. And Jesus has gone to heaven at this point and the Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost. 
And this man is sitting there and he's begging for money and he calls out to Peter and John. He says, can I have money? And all that the scripture says is that Peter looks straight at this man and he says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus the Nazarene, which is ironic. Now get up and walk. And this man was healed. See, that day, that guy was not expecting God to intervene. That guy was not expecting God to walk into his life. He was certainly not expecting to be healed. And yet God showed up at an unexpected time and in an unexpected place. God loves to show up in unexpected places. Another time this happened um, was earlier on in the Gospels, and it was with the woman at the well. You may be familiar with the story, but long story short, this woman, she's going to collect water, a fairly ordinary thing to do in those days, fairly kind of just normal task. And long story short, she ends up in a conversation with Jesus, ends up her heart being convicted, her life being turned around, and then bringing everybody else from the town to meet Jesus. Something so mundane that became a miracle. God loves to show up in unexpected places and in unexpected ways. And what we find is that even in the mundane things of life, God can show up with a miracle. I'll preach on that sometime. I'm going to call it miracles in the mundane. Miracles in the mundane. But God loves to show up in unexpected places. And this is what it teaches us. That God moves unexpectedly, in unexpected places, in unexpected ways. But the lesson is this. We need to expect more of God. We need to expect more of God. Nobody expected God to show up in this way. We see this throughout Scripture. But as believers in Jesus, believing fully in who he is and who he said he was, we ought to begin to expect more of God. We ought to be less surprised when God shows up in miraculous and powerful ways. And I wonder this Christmas season, and as we begin to move forward into 2020, could we raise our expectation of what God wants to do? Could we raise our expectation of where God wants to show up and who God wants to reveal himself to? Because God loves to show up in unexpected places. So what happens next in Mary's story? Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, this is the angel, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And here's really simple, the second point. God loves to use ordinary people. God uses ordinary people. Different scholars kind of come into this text and they all kind of agree that there's nothing necessarily unique about Mary. There's nothing necessarily out of the ordinary about her, about her life, about who she was. And yet God stepped in with a desire to use ordinary people and that is a lesson that we can take tonight that no matter who you are no matter how normal or how not very special you might feel sometimes God specializes God loves to use ordinary people ordinary people for extraordinary 
purposes. See, Mary is just a young Jewish girl. We know that she's a descendant of King David. She's engaged to a carpenter called Joseph. And from later on in the scripture, when they go to the temple to, um, to circumcise Jesus, it's quite clear that they're not very well off. They're not of any high status whatsoever. Mary doesn't seem to be anything out of the ordinary, just normal. Her finances, ordinary. Her husband's job, ordinary. Her life, ordinary. There is nothing unique about Mary given the event. And yet God chooses Mary for the extraordinary purpose of carrying the Son of God into the earth that her people and people beyond her people, the Gentiles, would know salvation, would know what it is to be brought into the kingdom of God and receive eternal life. This is an incredible purpose that has been laid on the shoulders of Mary's life, and yet she is so ordinary. And what I love about Scripture is that time and time again, it doesn't reveal superheroes. It just reveals ordinary people who God wants to use. And if you are an ordinary person tonight, you are in good company. Because God has a desire, God has a plan to use your life for his purposes and his glory. So this is what happens next, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. We could just preach on that tonight, couldn't we? No word from God will ever fail. But this is Mary's response, and I love this. This is what Mary has to say. This is her message. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So the angel Gabriel reveals this incredible, incredible plan to Mary. He gives her a picture of what has been devised in the throne room of God. It is a beautiful moment where heaven meets earth. And Mary simply responds with, Lord, I am your servant. Just an ordinary person wanting to be used by God. And this is the last part of Mary's message. It's simply this. God seeks availability over ability. God seeks availability over ability. It kind of goes back to the next point. God was not looking for Mary to have some kind of spectacular supernatural ability. God was just looking for Mary to be available to him. And if you would like God to use your life, no matter what stage or age you're at, God isn't looking for any spectacular abilities. He's looking for availability. Mary wasn't some kind of professional. As far as we know, she had no kind of significant trade or even skill. But she was available. She was available. There's another point in Scripture where this is painted out really, really beautifully. Do you remember King David? Right? King David, um, before he was King David, was um, a shepherd boy, just a wee lad. And uh, at, at that kind of time in, in Israel's history, King Saul, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but if you are, he loses the favor and the anointing of God in his life for a couple of things that he's done. 
And so God begins to look for a new king and he speaks to Samuel the prophet who would go and anoint this new king. And God leads him to Jesse. Jesse is a man who clearly he owns land, but he has a lot of sons, a lot of sons with great ability. And when Samuel comes, he's kind of showing off kind of the tallest and the most handsome, the best looking, all the fellows who would seem to match up the idea of what God's king would look like. The kind of people who God would want to use, who had it all together, who had the look about them, who had the ability. But the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, humans look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. See, all of David's David's brothers had the ability to be king, but they didn't have the availability of their heart to be used by God. The beauty about David, although he was far from perfect, and sometimes we forget, if David was alive today, he would be serving life in prison for a lot of the stuff he did, right? David was far from perfect, but scripture is clear. He was a man after God's own heart. And so what we can take from David is that he may not, at that stage, had all the ability that he maybe needed to be used of God for a certain task, but he was available to God. And God looks for availability before he looks for ability. Maybe God has called you to something. Or maybe you know that God is calling you to be someone. And you feel as though you don't have the ability to do it. Can we take something from Mary tonight? And it's this. God isn't looking for your ability. God is looking for your availability for him. God favors availability before he favors ability. God is not waiting for you to attain some kind of incredible skill or craft before he's going to use you. But rather, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to make yourself available. Maybe it's your heart, your time, your love. Maybe practically it's it's what's in your pocket. Maybe it's the health that you still have. Maybe it's the friendships and the connection that the Lord has given you. Maybe it's your workplace that he wants you to make available for him. Maybe it's even your home that he wants you to make available for him. What we make available to God, God will use. What we make available, even if it's little, what we make available to him, God will use. See, when Mary humbled herself, it was more than simply becoming a servant, although that's what she said. She said, Lord, I am your servant, which takes an incredible amount of humility to buy her spirit and to buy her heart. But the significant thing that Mary really said was this, yes. Mary gave her yes to God. By being available to God, she gave him her yes. And saying yes to God is one of the most difficult things we will ever do. I'm talking about the other side of salvation here. Giving her yes to God is one of the most difficult things we will ever do. Because what if Mary had said no? Because we know the truth is we all have free will. And Mary, if she had wanted to, could have said no. You know, the angel kind of storms into her life. God breaks into an unexpected place and says, Mary, I'm going to use you to change the history of the world. This place will never never be the same again because of who I'm going to put in you will change the course of human history, the savior of the world, the promised Messiah, the chosen one to come. And she's like, I see, Lord, not for me, no. I'm busy. Oh, Lord, you don't understand my work commitments. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not that I don't want to serve you, I do. I'm just busy. Oh, Lord, I see, I'm, not, I'm not very good at the whole mothering thing. I, I mean, I've, I've never been a mother before. I don't know how to mother. So you're probably better choosing somebody more experienced. 
There's a whole load of reasons why we can say no to God. But the beauty of Mary saying yes to God meant that there was a whole other amount of people on the other side of her yes that were blessed and had their lives changed through her. Don't underestimate the power of your yes to God. What is God asking you to do? What has God asked of you recently that you need to say yes to? Because just like Mary, don't underestimate the power of your yes. Because on the other side of your saying yes to God is a whole load of other people who could be impacted by you saying a simple yes to Jesus. A simple yes to the heart of the Father for your life. If we were to take a step back again, what parts of you do you need to make available to God? Or what parts of you have you maybe shut down and, and kept away from God because maybe you were hurt there before or, or maybe simply it's, it's just not a comfortable thing to allow God to have that or to allow God to use that? And that's a question I want to ask everybody. What part of you do you need to make available for God to use again? What areas of your life do you need to give God your yes? again too. I love Mary's humility. I love this kind of aspect of her life where she gave a yes early on, which meant that later in her life, when things got difficult, when things worked out how she maybe thought they wouldn't or they shouldn't, I believe it was easier for her to walk through that because she had already given God her yes. Sometimes the Christian faith is difficult. Sometimes walking with God is really, really challenging. But when we give our yes to God early on, it makes going through a lot of stuff much easier. It helps us see the purpose of difficulty much clearer. When we have already said yes and we have already given our commitment to Jesus. Don't underestimate the power of your yes. So the three things we've learned is this, that God loves to show up in unexpected places and unexpected ways to bless and change people's lives. And so the result of that is we need to expect more of God rather than being so, unex- rather than be, being so surprised. Let's expect more of God. The second one was God uses ordinary people. No superhumans, no superheroes need to apply. God wants to use ordinary people just like you and me. And thirdly, God seeks availability over ability. God favors ability. Sorry, God favors availability over ability. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you don't follow Jesus. You wouldn't say that you're a Christian. You wouldn't say that you belong to him. Can I ask you a question? Maybe tonight's your night to say yes to Jesus. Maybe tonight's your night to make yourself available to him, to say yes to his love, to say yes to his mercy and to his forgiveness and to his overwhelming affection and passion that he has for you. You know, we sing about love and this has been our theme tonight. This whole idea of love, it's been in the songs. It was at the beginning and now it's at the end. Is is this idea of of the overwhelming, all-encompassing love of God. And there's, there's, a, there's a beautiful scripture that says, from John 15, 13, it says, there is no greater love than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. And the epitome and the embodiment of this love is Jesus laying down his life on the cross for you and for me. And I hope we never lose the beauty and the majesty of that truth, that Jesus laid down his life freely and willingly that we would have freedom in him.
that we would be forgiven, that we could be restored. And this love is for everybody. It's not for somebody who maybe used to go to church and now doesn't. It's not for somebody who's always been in church. It's not just for somebody who's never been to church. This love is for everybody. Could you give your yes to Jesus tonight? Could you give your yes to Jesus tonight? Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you used to go to church. Maybe, maybe you've been sitting here for weeks. Maybe you've been sitting here for years. But you know deep within your heart that I say, God, I'm not right with you and I need to get right with you tonight. Tonight is my night to come home. Could you give your yes to Jesus? Could you once again make yourself available to him? Because can I tell you something? He is available to you. And he has already said yes over your life. Is it time to say yes to Jesus? Maybe for the first time. But maybe it's time to say yes once again. God loves to show up in unexpected places. God uses ordinary people. And God seeks people who are available and who will give their yes to him. The band are gonna come and lead us in our final song.